0: Hello and welcome to the Capture Anthropology podcast. My name is Alanis, I'm your host, and you can find me at captureanthropology.com or at captureanthropology on Instagram. In today's episode, I'm talking to Amina from Indie Odyssey Travel, a travel company led by a small team of wonderful and dedicated women. Their aim is to encourage women to travel solo as well as off the beaten path. And today I'm talking to a member of their team about starting a small biz during lockdown and much, much more. So, do you want to introduce yourself to all of our listeners? (laughs)
1: Um, So, my name is Amina, and I am the founder of Indie Odyssey. it's supposed to be a travel agency and a platform um that mainly discusses ethical travel and solo female travel and sustainability, so yeah that's that's mainly what we kind of do and talk about um not that we've been able to actually run any tours lately because you know small thing called a pandemic, but um yeah, we're hoping to launch some when it's safe again.
0: Brilliant. But it's so exciting. Um, I have had plans to travel for quite a long time. Um, so I'm really excited to see how you guys um get on when the pandemic is hopefully over at some point or at least borders yeah. open, I guess. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, can you it's uh...
1: hard because we don't actually know when that's gonna happen. Mm. Oh sorry.
0: No, that's okay. Um I assume that poses quite a lot of uh challenges with trying to like set up the business and achieve what what you want to achieve with it Um,
1: yeah I think it's it's really hard right now because even big agencies are struggling or you know have cut a lot of jobs and are even going under so for small startups or people that are you know only in their first or second year trying to do this it's nearly impossible to even imagine how your business will survive or how it will progress um it's more just holding your breath and and waiting to see what happens.
0: (laughs) I mean, I've seen um, that you do a lot on Instagram. So I assume you're relying on social media a lot at the moment Um, and you've done some live, some live like um, interactions.
1: Yeah, conversations, yeah. yeah. We were trying to just um, be positive about it and kind of use this time to reflect like reflect on travel, reflect on the travel industry, um have conversation- important conversations with other travelers um so I think it's a good time to pause and to to do that, but I think because it's been a year, a lot of us are getting anxious as to when you know not it's not necessarily just when we can travel, but when in certain countries we can have some normality back i suppose
0: mm so are you in the u k right now?
1: yeah. I'm yeah. in the UK. I came back two weeks before the first lockdown. So I'm really grateful for that. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: So how are you feeling about lockdown number three? <laughs> um,
1: I think I read somewhere how people are struggling the most in this lockdown because mm-hmm. in the first two, it was the sense of positivity and trying new things and sticking to a routine. And now it's starting to fade a little bit. The sentimentality is out the window. Um, So I think... For me, it's more a case of just trying to use this time wisely um, and just not not to force productivity, but especially with the business to try and think, okay, when things can happen, how would I want them to happen and how can we, you know, do tours safely? How can we, you know, create the best tours that we can possibly create? So I'm using this time to try and figure those things out. Um, but
0: yeah, I also can't
1: wait for it to end.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that, that kind of um, energy <laughs> it's, it's been a long one, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. but I have seen you guys have done like experimenting with virtual tours as well. Mm-hmm. Am, am I right there?
1: Yeah, we, we basically, um, we tried to do our first one, well, we actually did, or we have created our first one. Um, which is a virtual tour of Kazakhstan Um, Mm -hmm. it's mainly it's not a virtual tour in the sense of virtual reality because that's not yeah that's not um, what we were planning but Mm -hmm. it's more around um, Kazakhstan from a woman's perspective the history the culture um, and just changing the narrative a little because it's one of the countries that people don't know much about some people don't even know where it is on a map or assume that it's just something to do with borat which is a shame <laughs> because it's that's not how it should be identified um yeah. so yeah we we we've launched that um and it's available for people to just book it as they like mm-hmm. or to get in contact um because yeah we're not really sure when we can do actual tours to kazakhstan
0: mm. Um, Have you had much travel experience in Kazakhstan yourself then, in in that area?
1: Yeah, I've been twice, um, which is what led me to want to do actual tours there. Because Mm. when I was there, I realized how it's a country that's really a hidden gem. I mean, it's hard to imagine that it's hidden because it's the ninth largest country and it's massive. But many people just wouldn't think to go there. Mm -hmm. um it's becoming more popular slowly but it's not one of those locations that it's all over um the publications or the tv as as a place where people um kind of feel like it's it's a good place to go as you would imagine spain or dubai or Mm -hmm. i don't know so anyway when i was there i i just felt like it was really i felt safe i felt comfortable i was really inspired by everything around me um from the architecture to the people to the landscape is amazing and I just felt like you know more it's a really good, great place for solo female travel like more women should come here and that's what made me want to create the tour
0: yeah that's really interesting um because I know like for me I think definitely growing up in Britain there's kind of this um narrative around the Middle East being quite unsafe generally for travelers let alone Uh, solo female travellers so it's really interesting to see that you guys are trying to sort of open the doors there and and change the narrative a lot
1: yeah I think um, it's just one of it's I mean we could probably talk for hours around why certain (laughs) countries are stereotyped and more than others and why Mm. some countries are seen as a shining beacon um, when every country has its own problems and issues but I think um, certain countries just have a bad reputation or stereotyped heavily um, just not and there isn't much reasoning behind it in the sense of statistically there's parts of the United States that are unsafer than parts of the Middle East or Central Asia or you know Southeast Asia um, but we don't often look at it from that perspective because the media pushes the narrative that Western countries European countries are automatically safe and prosperous and you know great destinations for work and travel but there's all these other gray areas like the other regions we just I just mentioned um and I think it's up to us as travelers to actually look at the statistics if we really want to go down that route or ask other travelers about their opinions um when they've been to these countries and just do some digging and really question why certain countries have these stereotypes mm. around them yeah
0: yeah cuz um in so your personal experience you've done quite a lot of traveling yourself um yeah. Do you think that that was what mostly inspired you your own experiences to kind of open the doors to um, bringing more sort of solo female travel to the forefront and and showing people that it's not as dangerous or as sort of risky as they think it might be?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely um, it was definitely from my own experience that I, I wanted to go down this route. Um, but at the same time, I think it's it's a case of I think you don't really know what to expect until you try it. Um, and that's the thing with travel. You can, you know, plan it a certain way. You can assume certain countries will be great. And then you just don't know until you try it. And I think with solo female travel, it, it there is a case of being careful and being vigilant and doing your research and obviously taking precautions because, We know as women that we think about the world and we think about even our daily lives and how we walk around the streets and how we do certain things in a different way to many men basically and i Mm -hmm. think that carries on into travel it doesn't mean that everything is automatically safe it just means that with certain precautions and um, vigilance we can travel um, solo to many places to many countries and it's not i think it's something that's a little bit taboo because um i don't know i think it's more traditional to travel with your family with your friends with your boyfriend and that's what we see in the media that's what we see as normal to a certain extent and only in the last i say few decades um has it become normalized for women to travel by themselves and it's not seen as weird or you know as if you're a loner or something strange i i always get this impression that when i'm traveling by myself people think wow you must not have any friends because why would you you know why would you go halfway around the world on your own and it's a case of well because i can do what i want then i can travel how i want i can wake up each day and plan my day around my hobbies and my passions as opposed to waiting for my friend to wake up and then spending hours trying to figure out what we both enjoy um and and that kind of thing it's just complete freedom basically and it's mm. selfish and that's it sounds selfish but it's actually really enjoyable when you do it
0: yeah I mean I don't think that sounds selfish at all to like kind of embrace um your own freedoms em- embrace the fact that like you can exist on on your own and do your own thing and you don't shouldn't have to rely on other people um did you do yeah. a lot of your your own travel on your own then most of it solo or did you yeah. kind of mix and match or
1: Um, I have nothing against traveling with my friends or with my family when I can. I just, I prefer in some cases with some countries, I prefer to to go on my own. Mm. Um, So it was definitely an active choice. And and most of my travels, I would say, were solo. And partly it was just accidental in the sense of, um, you know, um, budgets and timing not matching up with friends or other people. And so I always figured, well, I don't really want that to stop me. If I really want to see somewhere, I have a limited time um, to do that. Um, so why not just do it by myself? And I've enjoyed, I re- it became almost like a little bit of an addiction where it was like every time I wanted to go to a country, I just, I never thought about asking other people or making plans with anybody. It was just, okay, when, how, where, you know, and, and mm. that was it really.
0: I guess it's that element um, of like, instead of waiting around for somebody to want to go somewhere with you, you just have the freedom to go. Like, I know there's a lot of countries that I'd love to visit, but no one around me is interested. So it just, I never get to go kind of thing. So it's it's really cool that you just kind of go where you want to go, do what you want to do, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's empowering. And I think it's, um, you get a sense of inspiration. And by that, I mean, you start to see things a little bit differently. Um, you can form your own opinions on places and, and you know, because it's, you, you can cancel out the noise when you're by yourself. You, you get to purely experience that on your own as opposed mm-hmm. to having other people push their opinions um, onto you. And I found that really amazing because like you said I probably wouldn't have gone to certain countries if I was waiting for other people because I don't think I had at the time any friends that wanted to go to Kazakhstan or Kyrgyzstan or Uzbekistan or even when I went to Colombia a lot of people were saying to me a few years ago well is that safe and why would you go there by yourself and Mm. and I just thought you know well I'm going to plan as best I can for it to be safe but at the same time you know I'm not going to let any presumptions and stereotypes of the country stopped me from from going in the first place
0: did you have many situations on your on your various adventures where you did feel unsafe or maybe not unsafe but uncertain of of what was going on and kind of question it and then I guess it turned out to be fine or or something bad happened and you had to deal with that
1: yeah yeah I mean I'm I try to be honest um when it when you know other female travelers or other women in general ask this question um because i i think especially on social media um we glamorize travel um you know even solo women that travel solo often glamorize it as something that's just you know absolutely safe nothing will ever happen to you so just do it um i try to be more honest um and admit certain times i've definitely felt unsafe certain times i've definitely felt like in imminent danger um where I've had situations where um, I was in a position where, you know, it was scary. Um, And I just remember that, um, you know, it's not just down to the country that certain things happen, because those same things happen could happen in the UK. Mm. And as a woman, I've had certain instances walking around London or, you know, going out in London, where, you know, certain things have happened where I felt unsafe. And I don't blame that on British society or on <laughs> British men or, you know, it's or, or in mm. Britain as a country. Um, you know, we don't do that, do we? When we're walking mm. around our own kind of country, we don't automatically get really, um, you know, we don't start to think like that. So I just think, why would you think like that in another country? It's not all men. It's not, you know, it's not the country as a whole. Um, and it's not obviously your fault if anything bad happens. Um, mm. So it's it's a case of just, like I was saying vigilance and um, knowing and doing some research and knowing for example is it a place that maybe you shouldn't walk around at night and it's horrible to admit but that is the case in a lot of places mm-hmm. um, or is it better to find um, a you know like buddy up with somebody in order to go out um, so yeah it I'd say things can happen it's not you know it's not a good idea to assume nothing will ever happen when you're traveling by yourself it's just a case of um being you know prepared being careful having contacts like having you know certain um like saving the embassy number of your country that's something that you can do certain things like that you can Mm. steps that you can take definitely
0: um I'd love to talk a bit more about sort of ethical travel because I know that's what a lot of um Indie Odyssey is about um and talking a bit about sort of yeah being mindful of colonial legacy and how that can impact tourists and um, like people that already live there, like native people. Um, so yeah, it'd be really interesting to to get yeah. some idea of how we can be mindful about that.
1: I think um, it's a case of, you know, we're really lucky that we have basically, we have the internet, we can research um so much information when it comes to history and it's so easily accessible to us whereas I think in the past it was harder to come across certain information because for example in the British school system often we don't learn about British um the British Empire and our colonial legacy Um, and certain books won't tell you this information or certain books that are that are accessible through schools and through libraries may not have that information. Whereas now there's less of an excuse not to be able to look that information up. So I would say it's a case of doing the research before going to a country that was affected by colonialism um, and figuring out how you know that may affect your travels. And in the sense of, for example, um, if you're going to somewhere like India that was heavily affected by colonialism, um, instead of just going there blind and thinking okay I'm going to have a great holiday and just see the Taj Mahal and take some selfies isn't it yeah. worth doing some reading and to mm-hmm. try and understand um you know certain aspects about the culture and the society um and how it was affected by that legacy um because I think a lot of that again it comes down to a lot of stereotypes are it basically exist um after colonialism um like for example India's a country and they're just it's really poor and and so on that's a major stereotype but in people don't often ask themselves why and it's it's you know very easy to figure out when you do some research they were under colonial rule for 200 years and they were extorted for 200 years economically um the resources were extracted in terms of labor and so on um so it gets you thinking okay so how did that affect the society today and if i'm traveling there how should i behave in a way not to perpetuate um that colonial legacy by you know maybe acting superior or um you know be you know kind of um of course you're privileged in it in yourself to be able to even travel in the first place and to go there but not to take advantage of local people um and act like because you're from a western country or because you're British in this case that you're better than um, because people do it without realizing often it's something I've noticed when traveling is people don't intend to be rude or malicious oftentimes it's more a case of ignorance and ignorance then comes from that lack of understanding that lack of research that la- lack of asking questions I mean we're so lucky that we or well I suppose you can look at it either way but we live in a very globalized world now and you can, we have social media you can reach out to certain people um, whether it's your friends or politely other people that are from a place and ask them questions in order to be respectful and to understand their culture and their religion before traveling there and then just you know um, offending them or kind of acting superior um, mm. so yeah I think it's a responsibility that we have as travelers
0: yeah, I think I totally agree that from having visited some countries that are um that were part of the the colonies and the colonial rule there's definitely things you need to do to kind of be more mindful. Um I know especially in the media in the last few years we've seen examples in East Africa through um mm-hmm. like the Red Nose Day campaigns and comedy relief and celebrities and white saviour complex kind of things have really come to the forefront. Um, so I, I think it's really good that you guys are really mindful of that in everything you post on social media and trying to really sort of raise awareness around that. Um, I mean, we yeah. talked a little bit before we started recording about um, voluntourism. And I did want to know if you had any experiences in that and how how you feel about it maybe afterwards and and now that it's kind of more talked about it more talked about sorry (laughs) um and (laughs) sort of going forward what are some things you might take away from it
1: yeah I mean I haven't personally um done a volunteering trip um when I was on my gap year between college and university I did Um, look into it because I wanted to do one because it's it's a very popular gap year thing to do Um, I don't know about other European countries but I think especially with the United States UK when you're on your gap year to go volunteer typically in a developing economically developing country Um, so I wanted to use my time wisely and give back and my intentions were good Um, so I started to, to do this research and try and find organizations that you know aligned with my values and where I could really make a difference, because I think that's the core of it—that many people want to make a difference. They want to help, and they have good intentions. When I started to do my research, I realized that a lot of these big organizations and NGOs—they don't—they're not very transparent. They don't have a lot of information on their websites or platforms, um, where it shows the difference that they actually make. A lot of it is, you know, um, TV adverts and poverty porn showing people in really bad positions in developing countries and then asking you to donate your time and money but not a lot of it's saying how they've actually made a difference and how they've changed lives or, or made you know uh impacted people in in a positive way and when i started to dig deeper i realized that a lot of it's problematic in the sense of there's there's stories and, and situations and case studies on um things that have gone severely wrong um in in you know, um, in certain countries when it comes to volunteers and NGOs. Um, and then th- there's all this information about how much the CEOs get paid versus how much actually goes to uh, the local communities. Um, So the more that I dug into it, the more that I realized that I didn't feel comfortable giving, you know, spending basically thousands of pounds to then go live in a small, I don't know, hostel-like hut to feel better about myself
0: mm. because
1: in the end I, I realized I probably wouldn't make any difference and that all I would be doing is perpetuating a stereotype that being from a western country and yes being typically um, white means that you automatically should help those that are poor and less than usually richest people of color and that's that is white saviorism as you know one element of it and it's it doesn't actually help these local communities in most cases what is um is really important is that you know there's local grassroots organizations that are actually doing work on the ground and they are actually um you know changing these their communities um so putting power back in their hands you know and listening to how they um want their communities to be helped and changed um as opposed to thinking that you know just one individual and a gap year you can go and, and and change the lives of of you know dozens of people with your with your you know um just because you you feel like it it doesn't really make sense in the end does it
0: no i think you're right and it doesn't when you say it like that as well it, it doesn't sit right either it doesn't it doesn't actually yeah. explain how it helps in any way
1: I'm not saying that all NGOs and all organisations are inherently bad or or not actually um, putting the money into um, the right hands or, you know, actually changing lives. But I think, again, that comes down to our responsibility to do that research and to try and find the statistics of that particular organisation and maybe even ask their previous volunteers. Did you, you know, what did you see when you were there? Um, How were things handled and so on? And where does the money go? I think those are really important questions um to ask and then after that make a decision if it's actually does you know if it's um if it is ethical to do that trip or not
0: mm. yeah i think that's a really good point um something that i'd kind of leading on from that like to talk about is um diversity and diversity within the travel like communities there's obviously quite a lot of them online Um, and how we can sort of engage with and embrace that sort of the diversity that we all keep talking about but isn't necessarily happening
1: yeah yeah it's it seems a little bit elusive at times doesn't it I mean it's it's really um, I've seen a lot of companies and brands take on this label of of trying to be diverse and that they really are listening to everything that's happening and the conversations about you know um black lives matter and 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 i think that was you know last year a lot of them put out um statements and posts but a lot again it's elusive it's not a lot of them actually prove and show and are transparent about um how they hire people in their offices who you know who they hire um do they have any people of color in senior roles in management roles and usually oftentimes they don't and if not why why don't they um and you know they they don't really yeah i think and with for example certain brands it's like they'll say they they care about diversity but then when it comes to their supply chain they're extorting and taking advantage of people of color in various countries um fashion does that travel does that um so i think it's up to us to actually ask again ask the questions and dissect is it is what they're saying just fluff is what they're saying just for the sake of trying to put a band-aid on the situation and appease people and say you know keep buying our products because actually yeah we do care i mean caring isn't enough and making statements isn't enough so i think with travel it's a case of um Getting more people to work in the travel industry that are from different backgrounds um it's long been an in- industry around privilege and inaccessibility and um I worked in a travel agency myself, and I think that it's they're often often travel agencies are not places where they're pretty diverse um especially not major ones um and I think it's it's a case of those organizations looking at how they hire and who they hire um for example in the u k there's a um part of this women's um travel network and they have a bame um kind of department so mm. they do events and seminars i mean obviously not with the pandemic but usually they run these kind of events and they have women from the industry from different backgrounds um t- you know discussing um their jobs and why they want to get into the industry and it encourages other women to then want to get into the industry it's multi-billion dollar industry so there's a there's you i mean Again, before the pandemic, there was a lot of opportunity and hopefully there will be again. Um, so I think that's one way we need to look at the issue of diversity and travel. And then when it comes to things like social media, it's one thing to follow um, diverse influencers and, and so on that travel. But that in itself doesn't really change that much. I mean, mm. I think it's great when other women then look at that person and then feel inspired to travel. Um but then if that person, you know, with around influencer culture, if that person is just, you know, kind of getting a lot of that stuff for free or as a um, to promote certain things. And again, that's not really accessible. Um, it's more aspirational than inspirational. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a tough one to there's not one solution that I can think of to say, OK, this is a great way to make um, the travel industry more diverse. But I think it's it's a case of actually asking questions of why more women of color don't travel. Um and if they do, you know, where do they like to travel? How do they like to travel? Why? Um, where do they like to go? What makes them feel comfortable? Um, and so on. And I think they you know, a lot of the times these big companies don't even care. They don't ask these questions. They have their target consumer. They stick to that. They, you know, even um with their their kind of ads and so on, you see the quintessential Family usually it's a white family going to somewhere in Europe or going to you know somewhere abroad, um somewhere else outside of Europe but and that's it mm. so I don't think they actually reach that audience in the first place in order to become more diverse
0: yeah I mean that's super interesting is that um something that you are trying to implement in in the Odyssey as as best you can I assume
1: yeah I mean I'm being a woman of color it's automatic for me to to think um from my lens of of you know these questions why and how and so on but um i can't speak for women of color i mean Mm. of course that's not possible so um i think something i wanted to do within the odyssey is listen more so listen to what other women are saying listen to their issues listen to what they want um and their their kind of worries when it comes to travel um the things that they want to do but maybe they don't really know how or they're a bit too nervous and so on um and to take into account the cultural and um yeah the cultural aspects because even though i grew up in the uk and there's other women of color that grow up in places like the uk or the us and so on um it doesn't mean it's automatically okay to go and travel and that it's just normal mm-hmm. thing to do as soon as you're an adult um in some of our communities it's taboo um especially as a woman to travel alone or even to travel with your friends it's it's not that it's not allowed but i'm saying that um it's not really the norm and especially when you come from an immigrant background travel is seen as something that it's excessive and it's um it's expensive you know so for a lot of us, we, we're we trained to think a lot more kind of logistically and, you know, house and stability and education. It's not so much around gap years and travel and, and all of that. So for me, it's a case that I hope Indie Odyssey can be the kind of agency where um, I can reach those women that haven't really been served by by the travel industry before um, and start to o- open up more um opportunities for different women to be able to travel comfortably and to feel confident in that um yeah so I mean that's that's the whole goal
0: (laughs) it's a really really wonderful goal and it's really nice hearing you sort of really put people first and it not being about sort of the money or the sort of um like the demographic but more about like okay what do people want where do they want to go and how is that influenced by their own lifestyles um yeah I mean in terms of your own heritage has um being a woman of color really influenced how you've gone about your own personal travel as well
1: yeah definitely I mean it's something where You, I mean, in the beginning, I started to travel solo when I was a teenager, when I was around 18, and it's not something I thought about in the beginning because I just, it wasn't something that really occurred to me. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of conversation around that in society. I mean, I felt like at the time, um, and so I just felt like, okay, I'm I'm a young woman, I'm traveling. This is great. I'm excited. And then when I started to actually travel and certain comments and microaggressions and um, passing not even insults just people certain things people would say other travelers um opened my eyes to the fact that oh wow so it is different for me um it just it wasn't something that occurred to me growing up i grew up in a very multicultural neighborhood and i went to a very multicultural school um so honestly i never felt out of the box in in that um in that way but then when i started to travel i quickly realized that many travelers around my age that I was around were not people of color and then I felt different and I felt um you know it 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 was uncomfortable at times but I don't think that people I'm not saying that so many of these people are inherently racist I'm just saying that I don't think I think it's a level of ignorance that um you know I've noticed with other um I've spoke to other women of color that travel Or have traveled and they say you know they get certain comments about maybe their hair or like how they afford to travel or you know um it's just you get treated like you're you're odd or you're different sometimes and it's it's really strange um so I think when it comes to diversity there's definitely a lack of diversity of people of color traveling to certain places and solo traveling and so on um so when we do it sometimes we, we feel like a fish out of water, basically. Um, so it, it did affect me, as the years went on, I started to understand, okay, um, you know, you might get passing comments, you might have these microaggressions, but I'm not obviously going to let it stop me. It's just a case of handling it in a certain way. And knowing that um, I don't need to talk to certain people, then, if that's how they think, and if that's um, how they they think they can talk to me or treat me then I don't really need to spend my time with them and again that's the beauty of solo travel that you don't need to be in you know in conversations or in environments around people that you you don't want to be um so yeah I think it's it's a hard one because again I can't talk for all women of color I can't say that Mm. I've experienced um the whole spectrum of, of of you know what it feels like but um from my experiences I definitely have felt a sense of relief when I've come across someone else and then there's a sense of, Oh, okay. You know, you get that too. <laughs> um, and I think it's just been surprising at times because I would assume that people, I think many of us assume that people that travel are open-minded and that they're very either educated or just, um, I think some of us would even say liberal in a sense, um, but it's not automatically true. I think there's a lot of, you know, we choose, um, I think, If you know when it comes to anti-racism education it's a choice to actually read certain books it's a choice to do the work Um, and then I think that's really important before you travel to do that work Um, because otherwise you can end up being really offensive or really ignorant to other people's cultures and to other people's um, you know way of life as well Um, as well as just making kind of rude comments to other travelers as well unintentionally so so yeah I think people just maybe need to be a bit more mindful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I It's so interesting hearing your experiences and your opinions, um, partly because they're different to my own, but also because I'm hoping people listening will get a bit more of an insight to things that they may not have thought about. Um, yeah before we wrap things up I did want to ask if you have any recommendations of books or resources or videos I mean obviously this your own website (laughs) um which is Indie Odyssey Mm -hmm. travel um but other than that if you had any suggestions that people could go and do further research or further reading or blah 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 I would (laughs) I would say
1: um there you know there's so much out there in terms of, you know, looking at um, books and videos and so on. I think even YouTube is a great way to see into other cultures and countries. I think it's generally when it comes to any of it, books, videos, um, documentaries, um, websites, it's important to see who's behind it. Um, So in the sense of, i know for example maybe you also watch um travel shows on the bbc or on other british um, tv networks and rarely do i see again a person of color or somebody who maybe who's from that background traveling to a country of their heritage or something like that um often it's an elderly white male um who then (laughs) continues on to say certain things or behave in certain ways where I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but I start to cringe and think, wow, you you really didn't get that. Or that was really uncomfortable to watch his interaction with a local person or with the local culture in general. Um, So I think it's important for people to try and seek out books and information and documentaries and videos from people that live in those countries and that are showing you around or talking about their own cultures and heritage. And again, it's the power dynamic to take the power away from, um, you know, just basically wealthy white men and put it back into the hands of people that um you know other people is what i'm trying to say so so yeah i think that's that's something that's important um and youtube again there's going to be so many videos of people showing you around their own country their neighborhood their city um so then you can see it from the inside and then ask yourself certain questions and um not just do the research from a western perspective basically
0: okay well, those, I agree, are all great, great ways to find out more. Um, I'm personally a big fan of YouTube and books, but there's websites and Instagram accounts and all kinds of things. Yeah, so um, <laughs> uh, so. Just to wrap up, do you want to just say where people can find the Odyssey generally and, and what they can find there? Yeah.
1: Um, so we're probably most active right now on Instagram, which is just the Odyssey travel. Um and then our website's indiodyssey.com and we also have a facebook group so for any women that want to discuss uh their travel experiences or ask questions um yeah it's like a private group and it's on our facebook page which is again just indy odyssey um so yeah those are the main places you can find us right now
0: perfect thank you so much i'll leave all the links to all of those in the description (laughs) as well Um, But thank you so much for recording with me today. It's been super insightful. Um, Thank you for having me. (laughs) That's okay. And thank you for coming on. And hopefully we can collaborate and stuff in the future again too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it insightful as well as entertaining. And if you would like to hear more, then please subscribe and or follow Capture Anthropology on your preferred platforms. Also, if you're enjoying this free content, please consider heading over to my Ko-fi page, where donators and supporters will have access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content. All my love, Alanis.